whatever. Stop judging me. I just came off a virtual birthday party. <laughs> oh. You should see it now. It just told me it was live. Hey, we want to welcome you. This is Sean Strickland. I'm welcoming you to um, live tonight with my spiritual mother, the amazing apostle Cynthia Brazelton. We just want to make sure that everybody is locked, that everybody can see us and hear us. And then we're going to get started. Uh, no, it's there. People are in. So we're you, you guys know what I want you to do when you come in. I want you to tell us where you're watching from. Um, we'll be, I can see the comments. Um, she can't see the comments. So it's, if it's something that, um, she needs to know, I'll tell her. All right. How about that? <laughs> all right. So welcome, welcome, welcome. We'll give them a couple of minutes to come on. I'm really thankful that you decided to do this with me. You know, um, I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. I'm honored. I think we're going to have a lot of fun tonight. We are going to have a lot of fun. You're going to preach really good tonight. <laughs> gonna we're we're going to share really good tonight, like we always do. You mean the part like where you're sharing and I'm like, oh my God, do I read my Bible like that sharing? <laughs> yeah, that sharing. <laughs> uh, it works for me. All right. So we have people from Arkansas, a lot of Arkansas people coming in. We have Chicago. Um... We had a couple people from Vegas. And so we're going to give you guys, people are like, this is going to be good. It's, yeah, she going to be fired. Listen. And so um, we're going to go ahead and just kind of make some introductions. Um, you know, for those of you who join me a lot, you may not know this, but um, I met Pastor Cynthia when I was, I think I had just had Caleb. So about 18, about 19 years ago, he'll be be 19 in September and I did not know her but we were at World Changers and her and Pastor Tony were teaching and I just remembered that one they seemed like they really liked each other and I was like that's really cool did they don't seem to be faking that right and the Lord gave me a word and he said um he said you're gonna get to know her and she's gonna change your life now at that concept based on my background I didn't have any concept of spiritual parenting. I didn't grow up in that kind of environment, but it became very clear. He began to use the words, she's your mother in the faith. I didn't know what that was, right? But over the years, um, you know, people always ask me who's influenced my life the most. I'm like my grandmother, without a question, my husband and Pastor Cynthia Brayston. They call you apostle. I still call you mom and pastor. Cynthia, but you know, <laughs> Nobody um, in terms of like helping me grow my faith, helping me learn how to stand, um, being willing to have the same conversation with me over again until I could see, hear, and understand, you have made such a big impact on my life, you know, and it's still funny to me um, and an honor when people go, oh, you sound like Pastor C. It's like, oh, that's pretty cool, right? Because I think without a question, Hands down, you are the best preacher I have ever heard in my life. So I, I paid her to say that, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, you know, that's who you are to me. You know, you have, um, 
you've been a mother to me. You've mothered me, not just spiritually, but you've mothered me in some personal areas of my life. And you have, but you have definitely mothered me in the word, you know, and I mean, even sometimes when I'm just not sure what to do, I can hear you say, just believe God, like, and it's like, you know, oh my goodness. And so I am honored to get to show you, to introduce you to people who don't know you, um, people who like me and they like, oh, where'd you get that fire from? Well, here we go. You're going to get to see tonight. And um, so I'm going to tell you this and then I'll let you say something. So everybody who knows me knows that I have had one goal for 19 years, right? The one goal is I want to find something in the Bible that when I tell you about that you go, oh my God, I never saw that. And in 19 years, like every time I think I got you, every time I think I got a translation, you don't know. You're like, oh no. And I think it says that in the New Living Translation, it says this and in the message, it's like, okay, all right. So anyway, I just wanted to introduce you guys to um, um, Apostle Cynthia Braveston and, and help you understand who she is in my life. And I hope that you'll really get something out of this today because she will absolutely help you ignite your faith and understand God in new ways and grow and transform your whole life. I am honored and blessed to be here. You are very special to me and definitely special to Pastor Tony and I. You know, when we first met, it truly was a divine connection. It really, really was. And I didn't, um, you know, just meeting you and just fellowshipping with you, talking with you, sharing with you, you know, just, you're always like a sponge, you know, just anything and everything that I was saying, you know, it was like, yeah, this is good. Tell me more. Every, you know, texting me, tell me something, give me a testimony today, share with me, talk to me. You know, I didn't, you know, even though I'm a pastor and I have a lot of people that we pastor and, and then we do them, there were some people that was calling me every day and saying, share with me, what is God saying today? You know, and so for you to share, say that and just allow me to share and then me hear from God from you, believe me not, <laughs> it was the same thing <laughs> to be able to hear the, the voice of God through your heart and your love for God and your compassion for people. Just to wanted to see the supernatural was, you know, like precious faith to me. So it's easy. It was very easy, but it was a definitely a God connection. And I'm so glad to be on here tonight to share with you of our walk of faith. <laughs> All right. So I just want you to do one thing before we get serious. You know, say again how special I am. Say it again. <laughs> you are very, very special. <laughs> You and Edwin and the whole family are very, very. No, no, not all of them. I didn't, not all of them. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Okay. So um, you're a very special person. You're a very strong will person. I call you my activist. You know that, right? Um, give her a cause. She'll fight it through for you. See it through for you. Do it for you through. And so that's good. We need people with strong faith and belief in, in something that they'll be able to make a difference in the world. And that's what we need today is a difference in the world that we live in. I actually said to everybody today, I said, I was so glad that we were doing this. I think I told you this when we first got on the test. And I said, listen, we really need this because I feel my Malcolm X rising up. I'm like, listen, let's burn the city down. You was like, let's not burn the city down, right? So, I mean, I, you're, you're right. I, you know, I am an activist. That's just the truth of it. I'll fight for a good cause. And I thank you because you've really taught me to fight from the heart of God, not just from a place of being angry, 
And yes. I appreciate that. Not that I don't get angry, but the things you've given me foundationally is like, okay, but when I get through, will the heart of God be pleased with the way that I did it? And Amen. so I appreciate that, right? Amen. So, okay. So we're going to talk about something. Um, I wanted to share with them. I really wanted them to get to hear what it's like when we're kind of just interacting over something. And we got this standing scripture <laughs> that we have been <laughs> pulling on forever and it's second kings the fourth chapter and basically the whole chapter the first through the you know there are two stories in there about two women so I called it a woman with a seed and you know we're going to talk about I don't know which one you're going to start with but we're <laughs> going to talk about these the, the power of a woman with a seed because that's something you've really taught me and I just believe that if, if particularly, you know, there are men on here, but women, if we really get this, then it doesn't matter what the economy doing is doing. It doesn't matter what is oh, happening. We yeah. just stand mm -hmm. on the word of God and see the word of God come to pass in our life. So that's why I picked Second Kings. So get your Bibles and go to Second Kings, the fourth chapter. We have talked about this scripture probably more than any other scripture we have. Yeah. yeah. So... <laughs> Tell me why you like it so much. Well, you know, Second Kings in the fourth chapter talks about this woman, the Shunammite woman, but I love it because it didn't just say she was a Shunammite woman, it said it was, she was a great woman. And anytime, you know, God put emphasis on specific words to describe somebody, you want to pay close attention to it. And so for, for her to be a great woman, um, and we aspire to be great women of God, so we can learn a lot from her, what made her great. And so just looking at Second Kings chapter four, the Shunammite woman being a great woman and we discover a great woman of faith. Um, so how she changed not only her life, but her husband's life, her, ch her child's life, and then the community that was around her. And so there was a lot of great things about her. You know, I mean, we've been picking at this for quite some time and every time we talk about it, we get some nuggets out of it. You know, God is unfolding his word concerning this. But I, I, I believe, again, if we aspire to do anything great, we ought to look at some great people who are doing some great things. Amen. So you want to pray so we can start? <laughs> Amen. So, Father, we thank you tonight. We're so grateful, so honored once again to come into your presence. We thank you for the outpouring of the presence of the Lord God. Wherever we are gathered together in your name, that there you are in the midst of us. Father, we thank you for the greatness of who our God is. You're a great God. There's no one like you, none that be compared to you. We thank you for the greatness that you bestowed upon us to allow us to walk in fellowship with you and to display who you are in the earth, that as Jesus is, so are we in this world. So Father, we thank you that you will illuminate the eyes of our understanding this, this evening, that we would know, Lord God, wisdom and revelation knowledge that comes out of the word of God. We thank you for the anointing on Pastor Sean's life and my life, Lord God. Let us speak tonight as oracles of God, unfolding the mysteries of your kingdom in the lives of your people that are listening tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to dive in. So here's my question. Do you want to start with verse one or do you want to start with the second one? The Shunammite <laughs> or the first one? Let's start with the Shunammite woman. Um, okay. You know, let's, let's read her story. You, you want to read the story or? Yeah, I'll read it. Okay. Um, and it, um, I'm going to start with verse King, um, verse eight, second Kings, the fourth chapter, verse eight, and share this with somebody, guys. 
It says, um, and they fell on a day that Elijah passed to Shunem and there was a great woman and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as often as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God, which passes by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the table, and let us set for him there a bed, a table, and a stool, and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned in the chamber and lay there. And he said unto Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said unto him, say now unto her, behold, thou hast been careful for us with all of this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldest thou be spoken to for the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, what is then to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, verily, she has no child and her husband is old. And he said, call her. And when she had called her, she stood in the door. And he said, about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie to the, unto thy handmaiden. And the woman conceived and bare a son in that season that Elijah had said unto her, according to the time of life. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father, to the reapers. And he said unto his father, my head, my head. And he said unto the lad, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. And she called upon her husband and said, send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, wherefore will thou go to him today? Is it a new moon nor a Sabbath? And she said, it shall be well. And she saddled an ass and said to her servant, go forward and slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. So when she came and went into the man of God to Mount Carmel, and it had come to pass when the man of God saw her afar off, he said unto Gehazi, her, his servant, behold, yonder is the Shunammite. Run now, I pray thee, to meet her and say unto her, is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with thy child? And she answered, it is well. And when she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught him by the feet, but Gehazi came near to thrust her away. And the man of God said, let her alone for her soul is vexed within her. And the Lord has hid it from me and has not told me. Then she said, did I desire a son of, of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Then he said unto Gehazi, gird up thy loins and take my staff in thy hand and go thy way. And if thou show me any man, salute him not. And if any salute thee and answer him not again and lay my staff upon the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And, arose, and he arose and followed her. And Gehazi passed on before them and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Wherefore he went to meet him again and said, the child is not awakened. And when Elijah came and had, was coming to the house, behold, the child was dead and laid up on his bed. And he went in therefore and shut the door upon them twain and prayed unto the Lord. And he went upon and lay on the child and put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes and his hands upon his hands. And he stretched himself upon the child and the flesh waxed, the child waxed and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned and walked in the house and to and fro and went and stretched himself upon him. And the child sneezed seven times and then opened his eyes. 
And then he called Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite. So he called her. And when she was coming in, he said unto her, take up thy son. And then she went and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. May the Lord add a blessing <laughs> to the reading of that word. Powerful, powerful story. You know, I know we're going to be discussing this together, but I would like to, you know, from you, what's your heart concerning this? Why is this, why is this so important to you? I know we talk about it a lot, but I think it's you that bring it up a lot. <laughs> like, um, I'm fa I think I'm fascinated that we, we never know her name. Right. But we do know that she was great and we know that where she she was from. And we also know something else about her, that she has spiritual perception. Yes. Like this man comes to town out of everybody who comes to town, because in that town, people came to town. That's what they did. Right. Out of everybody who comes to town, she is able to discern that there is something on him that she needs in her life. And so she constrains him. I think that's the word that gets me that she's like, wait a minute, it's something on you. Yeah. And probably that's probably that's why, how I feel our relationship has been a lot. Like I have constrained you. I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute, you have something I need. Yeah. And, and I think I relate to her because I think that I have tried to put a, de a, a demand on your anointing, mm -hmm. not just to have breakthrough, but to be able to operate the same way I've seen you operate. So I think that's my passion for her. Yeah. I, and that was, that's really, really good because I like the way the Bible said that he passed by there many times. And then she, you know, constrained him or asked him to stay and come and eat with them. But the thing about it is, if she had not asked him to come to her house, even for a meal, he would have kept going. He would have passed her by. And how many times that, you know, God and things would have happened or passed us by, but we didn't have no spiritual perception to know what was in front of us or what God has for us. And it just passed us by. But she had enough spiritual perception to know that, yeah, there was something on him or I perceived that he was a holy man of God. So, you know, and then she's a great woman because here she didn't just take things matters in her own hand. As a wife, she goes to her husband and says, hey, let's build this man of God a room on our house. Obviously, he didn't dispute that with her. But I like the fact that she told her husband, she asked her husband, can we, can we build this man a, a room in our house and let's give him a bed, a chair, a stool, a lamp. So when he ever comes by, he won't pass us by, but he will come in the house and he will stay in this house. And so, and every time he came to the city, he went right to her house. That's a blessing. And for her to prepare for him to come in there, I like him to, you know, her spiritual perception is, you know, um, just preparing herself for the presence of God in her life, not allowing it to pass her by or that she would not even be aware of the presence that was available to her. And that came into her house and abode in her house for that time. And then, you know, I said, no, there's no, nothing we do in the kingdom of God that God will not reward your labor of love. And so, you know, from that place of her understanding, her perception of who he was, he wasn't just like anybody else that would come in that city and pass by. He wasn't like anybody else that she's ever met. He's a holy man of God. And so this holy man of God, you know, sends for her and then, you know, gives her a petition like, hey, what you want? You know, I think God does that to all of us from, you know, 
what do you want? What do you want to see happen in your life? What do you want to do with, with your life? And, you know, do you want an audience with the king? You know, we're going to you know, talk about that. And do you want to, you know, a com with commander with the army? You want any of that? And she's, no, I blow my own people. I'm good. I don't need anything. And the servants, you know, he had to recognize that, you know, she doesn't have any children. And I believe that Elijah finally, you know, got a revelation of and tapped into her heart. You know, and he said, this time, this in this season, next year, you're going to have a son, embrace the son. And she's like, don't lie to me. Um, and it's for her to say that to him, I think it was something inside of her that had a hope and a desire at one time, maybe in her life, to have a child. But now her husband's too old. He's not doing anything to <laughs> cause the reality of what she wants to happen. So she's like, how is this going to happen? Don't lie to me. And of course, you know, she has that child. So there was a lot going on within her. You know, sometimes we have these desires within us and God will put us in situations in our lives to bring those desires back out of us so that he can fulfill those desires. It reminds me of Zechariah when he went into the holy place to burn incense before the Lord and the angel of the Lord shows up and said, hey, Zechariah, those prayers you used to pray, God heard you. And now it's time for that to come forth. And he was like, wait, wait, hold up. I'm old, my wife old, you know, how's it gonna be? You know, that whole story in Luke chapter one, he's like, you just shut up till you see it happen. <laughs> Don't speak against it. But I love it because he tapped into his heart, those prayers you used to pray. God heard it and now is the time for it. So God will bring us in situations and circumstances of our lives to bring out that what he put inside of us to bring forth in our lives. And so I believe that Elijah going by her house every, all those times that he did wasn't by just circumstances. And God would just see what you would do when the circumstances present itself for you to move on it, when you perceive God's presence in your life. And so God tapped into that. Here, you're going to have a son. This time next year, you're going to be embracing a son. Oh, wow. Oh, here's my heart. Desire. Don't lie to me. Please don't lie to me. Don't deceive me. And, you know, and she has that child. And the very thing that obviously that she prayed for, desired, you know, dies in her arm. It looks like it wasn't going to happen the way you know, she perceived it to happen or wanted it to happen, or she maybe now I feel like I am deceived, but yet she kept that faith. And you could tell she had faith because when she went to the man of God, he says, hey, I see something's wrong with her, but I can't, God is not revealing to me what is wrong with her. And so he asked the question, asked her, is it well with her husband? Is it well with your child? Is it well with your stuff? And she's like, hey, yeah, it is well. That's her, her, you know, your voice has a lot to do with what you perceive and what you receive from God. What are we saying out of our mouths? You know, people always talk about, you know, I'm just being real, I'm just telling the real. But is that your reality? You know, faith gives you another reality. Your faith sees beyond what you could see and it taps into an unseen world and to see from the eyes of God or what you believe and then cause that to be a reality in your life. And so she wasn't moved by her son being dead and I believe that probably in her heart you know you gotta wait till we get to heaven to ask her but she knew that something was going to happen because she took her son who dies in her lap and where she takes him she doesn't bury him she doesn't go cry out to her husband come get him the baby's dead call the doctor she doesn't do any of that she takes him to the man of God's bed that she built 
and she lays her seed on that bed that she had built. And so from that, I think she, you know, and then she declares, hey, it is well. And I think there are a lot of circumstances we face every day. We have to learn how to declare it is well. It is well. And what is well to you? Well is the promises of God. Well is what God said. Well is what God put in my heart. You got to know what your well is. And so, you know, there are people who say I'm praying and I'm trusting God, but they're really not. They just gave in and caved in to the circumstances of their life and call that trusting God. But your well is whatever God says and whatever God wants to do in your life and what he's promised you. And so a lot to that story, you know, her going to the man of God and God not revealing to him what was wrong. And he sends the servant with the staff to go lay it on the child because he knew there was, he had enough perception though something was with the child. He didn't say go touch the husband. He said, go lay it on the child. And so he does, he come back and he said, the child will not awake. And I love it because he didn't say he's dead. He said, the child will awake. And he says, then go, you know, and, and the woman says to Elijah, you know, as long as the Lord lives and as long as your soul live, you're not going to stay here. You're not going to leave me. You're going with me. Now, Elijah, I don't know what that means to you guys, but for me, that like, he saw her faith because he was in that same circumstance himself in 2 Kings chapter 2 when Elijah was about to be taken, or his protege was being oh, taken up in the whirlwind into heaven. And he told him to stay right here. I'm going on yonder. He said, no, 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 no. As long as the Lord lives and as long as your soul lives, you're not going to leave me. Where you go, I go. Because you have the anointing that I need for my circumstance right now. So you're not staying here, you're going with me. Because <laughs> as long as the Lord lives, and as long as you live, you're going with me. And so, of course, you know, he goes with her, and then he goes into the room, and he sees the child that is laying there, and the child is, you know, dead. So he lays upon the child, um, and he lays upon the child, and he walks around the room. The Bible talks about him walking around the room, and I, I, no doubt he's praying, and he lays on the child again, and the child sneezes seven times, and he comes back to life. And um, he says, now go in and take up your son. And so you could see a combination of their faith that was being motivated by their circumstances that God allowed them to see and to remember the things that, you know, God has been saying to the both of them in different circumstances that cause their faith to be ignited, to believe God beyond what they could see naturally. You know, we talk about faith being the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. You know, the, I love the way the Amplified Bible reads, it's faith becomes your confirmation. It becomes your assurance, your title deed of the things you hope for. It is the proof of something you cannot see and the conviction of its reality. We, conviction means I'm convinced. My child looks dead, he may be dead, but I'm convinced that it is well your conviction of its reality. And then it says, faith perceives as real fact. Now, she has spiritual perception and know that he was a man of God because faith perceives. Faith perceives, perceives as real fact what has not been revealed to the senses. And so from a natural point of view, you know, it doesn't look like he's anything special, but from a spiritual point of view, this is a holy man of God. And to perceive that, okay, my son, was gift for me from God, it's not his time. She, she had a faith to believe 
that God was able to do something about her circumstances. And so it wasn't a matter of what she saw, what she heard and how she felt, but, you know, all those things that hinder our faith from producing in our lives and just be seeing beyond what we can see so that we can have what God says belong to us. I told you, what did I tell you? <laughs> Let me give you some room. Let me give you some room. Let me give you some room. What did I tell you? I said, you're going to start talking and then it's just going to bubble out of you. So I think this is interesting because I love it because the, I think one of the really, the things you really challenged me to do was to love the word. And, and I, you know, I feel like that we have a lot of people who love God, but they don't love the word. And so they love the experience of God. You know what I'm saying? But like, when you say, um, because I was reading this scripture because I was like, you know, what else is here? Because the word is alive and it's always speaking, right? And then you say something that we've never said in this conversation before, which is why how Elijah is seeing himself in her when yeah. she says that, right? But when I read it, I thought, oh my goodness, the mantle that he gave to Gehazi was the one that he had gotten likely when he like when yeah. he crosses the water and come back over, right? Yes. And so that even but Gehazi, he had the opportunity to actually walk in that mantle, but he didn't. And the reason why Gehazi didn't walk in that mantle, it should have been passed on to him. But instead of getting the anointing, he got leprosy because he lied about receiving something for Elijah. Or I, I always like using it this way: he took up an offering for a project that never existed. And when you allow money or mammon to be your influence, you merchandise the anointing and you forfeit it. And so Gehazi, you know, he forfeited that anointing. And that's why Elijah prayed for him. Lord, open his eyes so he can see because he couldn't see. He didn't have any spiritual perception. You know, when that army in 2 Kings chapter 6 surrounded them, he said, oh, my God, we're going to die. And he said, Lord, you know, open this boy's eyes so he can see. That there is more that is with us than they that is with them, you know, and God opened his eyes because Elijah prayed for him so he could be able to see. And that's what faith does. It allows you to see beyond the natural, you know, and not just be moved by this. And so, but he saw that faith in that woman because she said, as long as the Lord lives and as long as your servant lives, you're not going to leave me. And he said that to Elijah, you know, himself. He knew that there was something on Elijah's life that he wanted. And Elijah even asked him, what do you want from me? You keep, you're following, what do you want? He said, I want a double portion of your spirit that is on you, on me. And Elijah said, well, hey, if you can see it, you can have it. And that's powerful. Because with faith, if you can see it, you can have it. And there's so many things that God wants to open our eyes to, to know that it belongs to us, but most people can't see it. So, but if you can see it, and I'm telling you, if you can see it, you can have it. And that's how we make the heavenly realities our earthly realities by seeing what heaven has to say, seeing what heaven has to show us. And she saw something. As long as the Lord lives, as long as your soul lives, you're not leaving me, you're going with me, and I'm getting my miracle. And so she got her miracle. Her baby was raised up um, to life, and she saw God do some amazing things. And I don't know how far ahead we want to jump with this, but you know, that seed that she sowed into the man of God by building him that room, the seed of perception in her own life, understanding and recognizing that he was a man of God, having an ear to hear what the man of God had to say, 
being in that position where she perceived and perceived from him that when the famine was coming in the land, he went to her. Now he's in that city a lot. He didn't go to anybody else. He told her, hey, there's a famine coming. You need to get up out of here. And so she heard the man of God. She's like, she didn't go, well, the crops are looking good. Land is looking good. Everything's looking great. Why do we have to leave? She heard, she know, here's a man that told me I was going to have a baby, had a baby, baby died, raised him dead, and you telling me he's a family and I need to leave? Bye-bye. 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 You beating a hundred, right? You batting a hundred right now. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> no. No, but I was so I was thinking about this that I remember very early in our relationship, you asked me what I wanted. And I said, I said, I, I want to know what you know, because if I if I can, I didn't know see what you see then, right? That's new, that was new language. But there was there was something about your life that I was like, if I can ever see what she can see, I can do what she can do. And I think it points to something about the difference between how this woman perceives Elijah and how Elijah perceives Elijah, that a lot of times people are okay being around somebody. They're okay being able to cheer for them. Go mom, mom is dope, right? But they don't ever actually have in their heart to want the same God. I wanted, I wanted to know God like you it's like you know when um and he says you know when Isaac would say you know the God of Abraham and Jacob you know the God of Abraham I would be like I want to know the God of Cynthia Brazelton right and I think that I think I would just encourage people out here whoever your spiritual parents are your pastors are whatever don't just be a person who's happy to be around them if you can see the presence and power of God on their life you gotta ask God to make himself real to you in the way that he's real in their life don't just be a fan we talked a lot about that like I never just wanted to be you I like you and you don't but I don't want to <laughs> just be a fan I want us to be able to do some things for the kingdom right. not just me not just you and me I, sit back and go rah rah <laughs> Amen. I think that's that's so true for every everybody you know God is calling us to divinely connect to one another but there's something in my life that we poured out in somebody else's life. And there's something from other people's lives will definitely make a difference and pour out in my life. And I think that there's a lot of things about you that have been a tremendous blessing to me. But to be able to recognize the anointing on people's lives, you know, the Bible says you receive a righteous man in the name of a righteous man. You receive not just that righteous man, you receive that righteous man reward. And so Elijah, to receive Elijah you know, he received his reward. He got a double portion of that anointing that was on his life, but he recognized that he wasn't, he was not just an average person. You know, when, even when he saw Elijah being taken up in a whirlwind, he didn't say, hey, Elijah, Elijah, or hey, you prophet, you prophet. He said, hey, my father, my father. And that was significant because in the kingdom, you know, it's sons and daughters that inherit. And so when you recognize... Uh -huh. Your, your position in the kingdoms, you know, as sons and daughters of God, that you have a right to an inheritance and God will set you up in a position where you can receive your inheritance because it comes through divine connections. You know, God will, you will meet somebody that has a part of your inheritance on their life, but if you don't perceive who they are, you know, you don't, you miss out on it, they'll pass you by. And, but this woman perceived that he was a holy man of God and it didn't pass her by. 
and she received something from him and off of his life. And just like Elisha received off Elijah's life and, and received that same anointing. And just think about that same story in Second Kings when the Syrian army was surrounding Elijah and Elijah's home, Elijah's, Elisha's home, S-H-A, Elijah's home. And he said, and he prayed that the servant's eyes would be open to see that there is more that was with them than they that is with us. What did he see? The Bible said he saw chariots of fire and horses of fire, them same chariots of fire, them same horses of fire that Elijah himself saw when Elijah was taken up by a whirlwind, he knew that there was an army in heaven that was available and that was surrounding him all the time because he saw with Elijah and that anointing from Elijah's life came down on his life. So he knew he had a host around him. And so he wanted Gehazi to see what he saw and what he could see on a regular basis, not just that particular day, but just being aware. I mean, how many of us are aware of the angelic hosts that are around us? that are just surrounding us and that a God has with us. We are, they're around us and we know that by faith, but how many are aware of it and then do something with it. The Bible says that angels hearken to the voice that we give to the word of God. So what are we saying out of our mouths? If I knew that an angel is standing waiting for me to say something, what am I going to say? Amen. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. you know, and as I've been saying, you know, the book is the boy, the faith has a voice. And so when I'm speaking, it's going to be from a faith, from a position of faith so that I give them something to work with. You know, God wants us to experience those things that he has for us. I love it. So now we're, I mean, you've already said we'll do this a second time. So you said we don't have to try to knock out everything. So I, because I really, I feel led to kind of slow down and walk through this thing about connection and perception because so many people don't have an understanding of that. You know what I'm saying, mom? Like people don't know, like people are like, why do you, why do you call her mom? Why do you say that they're your spiritual parents? And if you grew up in a certain background, you don't really understand that. And I think that one of the biggest mistakes that people make is they make someone a peer or they make someone just a preacher who has their answer. Mm. And I think that when people don't understand how the kingdom works, that it is a family, but it's also a rank and order. Yes. Like it's, it, it's a rank and order. And you remember years ago, um, you, um, you said to me, you talked a lot, a lot to me about favor. I'm going to just say some of the things you said to me over the years. You would talk to me a lot about favor, but the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, you don't have the same favor she has yet. She's developed that favor through obedience. And then you said to me, I like, I have all our notes that we would talk. And you said to me, you said, the anointing will cost you something. Now, what you were saying is, yeah, Sean, can you grow up and operate in the same thing? Is it in UNC form? But the Lord was very clear to me that there were some things you used to say, it'll cost you something. You say, I can't give to you for free that which costs me something, right? What's the something all the time you spend in the word? I, I can rarely think of a time that I have called you, text you, FaceTime you, mom, what you doing? These the answers. <laughs> Reading my Bible, listening to my Bible, praying, thinking, even if you at the mall, what are you doing? I'm listening to my Bible while I'm shopping, right? 
And so what I really had to understand is that it wasn't just that you laid hands on me. It wasn't just that you said you're my daughter and what's on me is on you, that there had to be that same kind of persistence that Elijah had for Elijah that he wouldn't let him go. Because if you go back in second Kings, see, I read my Bible today, right? 50 other prophets followed, but they didn't cross. They stood back and they looked and it said, but the two of them stood on the other side. And I just, I don't know. I really feel like we really need to unwrap this because I think that, you know, I say to you this all the time. There are these things where you, you like somebody, big mama, you in the kitchen, just cooking. (laughs) Mama, how you make that? I don't know. A pinch of this, a pinch of that. So I try to ask questions that help break it down. So someone who it isn't as common for can understand it. Yes. All right. If we, if we go less, if we went back to second Kings chapter two, you know, it's, it starts off with, you know, Elijah telling Elijah he's going from Gilgal to um, Bethel, from Bethel to Jericho, from Jericho to crossing over into Jordan. And each one of those times, like you said, he said, you know, stay here. I'm, I'll be back. And he says, no, as long as you live and as long as your soul live, you not leave me here. And when they crossed over and went into those specific areas of the city, there was, like you said, the school of the prophets. There were people there that were saying to him, you know, why are you following this man of God? Don't you know that God will take his head from you today? And it, this is my interpretation of that. He said, shut up, mind your business. I know what I'm doing. Now, like you said, every single one of them could have followed him, could have followed the both of them, but they stood afar off. And there are a lot of people who stand afar off for the things of God because there's no, there's no connection there. And so they're just waiting to see something. And you know how everybody is. Once you see something, everybody jumps on the bandwagon, so to speak. But here's a man of God that God called him because Elijah put his mantle on him. You know, he's out there plowing oxen for his family in Second Kings, I mean, First Kings chapter 18 and 19, and his mantle gets on him. And he says, let me go bury my, he said, let me go talk to my mother and father first. He said, hey, you do what you want to do. I did what God told me to do. You could come after me. But he cut up everything and ran after the man of God. And you got to learn how to run after when God speaks to you about something that you don't question God, but you just run after what God has for you. But to say, not to preach the totality of the breakdown of 2 Kings chapter 2, but to go from from Gilgal to, to Bethel, from Bethel to Jericho, every one of those things, those every word in the Bible means something. You know, Jesus said, I've come to cross every T and dot every I. That means that there's nothing that's going to be left that you will not have understanding of that will bring you into the place where you are walking in kingdom's reality, crossing every I, crossing every T, I mean, dotting every I. So to go from Gilgal, Gilgal was the first place that the children of Israel went into after they left out of the wilderness to really settle down. And they begin, the Bible says, to eat the old corn of the land. They no longer looked to God to provide for them. They saw corn and they went and ate it themselves. And so here, and Elijah said, hey, you can stay here and eat the old corn. He says, no, I'm not, I don't want the old corn. I want to be with you so I can get some fresh manna every day. No, wait, you got to <laughs> stop though, because that's the thing I mean. It's like, dude, like, I don't even know how you know, like, I'm like, I don't even know how. So explain that again. Okay. So say it again, a little slower for those of us <laughs> who just wrapping around. So, you know, when you look up words in the Bible and, you know, 
And sometimes it's not even a question of getting a, a dictionary and looking it up. You know, certain Bibles have little letters beside words that let you know what those words mean. And when you look up Gilgal, it says old corn. So, you know, and so you think he's saying, stay here. But who wants to stay and eat old corn? God's doing new things every day. God says, behold, I'll do a new thing. Shall you not know it? I'll make a way in the wilderness. You know, you can stay and eat old corn or do things the old way. Matter of fact, God says he's out with the old and in with the new. He's doing some new things. There's a scripture that um, I've been medicating on this week and even sharing it with a few people concerning that. And uh, let me uh, pull that up. It just really blessed me in Leviticus chapter 26. Oh, I've been reading Leviticus 26 this week too. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. Leviticus chapter 26 in, in the, the, the message Bible in verse six. And it goes, it says a lot where we are today right now in, this, in our country. And it says, verse six, and it says, I'll make this country a place of peace. You'll be able to sleep at night without fear. I'll get rid of the wild beasts. I'll eliminate war. You'll chase out your enemies and defeat them. Five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you will chase 10,000 and do away with them. I'll give you my full attention. This is good stuff. I'll give you my full attention. You'll make sure, I'll make sure you prosper and I'll make sure you grow in numbers and, and keep my covenant with you in good working order. That's so good. He said, you'll still be eating from last year's harvest when you have to clean out the barns to make room for the new crops. I mean, you, you're gonna have so much crops that you're not even gonna finish eating all of what you harvested last year, but you're gonna have to get rid of that because here comes something new. And it's the same thing for them in Gilgal. They begin to, they have fresh manna that was coming from heaven every day. God gave rain them fresh manna from heaven. They get to this place where they see old corn and they start eating it and the manna stopped. And so he said, but you know, you could stay here. In the, well, I don't want to stay here. I don't want to eat old corn. I don't want to be in this place. I want to go to Bethel. And you know, Bethel was the city where, you know, it talks about the story of Jacob, where Jacob wrestled with the, um, the angel. And you know, Bethel, it, I think to me, it signifies, you know, we call Bethel the house of worship, but it signifies a place of, of wrestling. You know, it was there that Jacob wrestled with the angel. And as you, when you're connected to somebody or you're connected to the things of God, I think every single believer has this place in your life where you wrestle with your walk with God. You know, there are people wrestle with, should they, I was better when I wasn't saved. I didn't have this many problems or, you know, I don't know what's going on in my life. And they're wrestling whether they're going to stay with God or not. The lay allow circumstances. My husband left me. This happened. My baby, this happened, that happened. And they wrestle with, they want to be a believer or not. You know, and so people wrestle with, should I stay at this church? They offended me. They got, you know, all kinds of things happen to people's life. And so everybody comes to this place of wrestling. And here, Elijah said, you can stay right there. He said, oh, no. As long as the Lord lives, as long as your soul lives, you're not going to leave me here. And people will tell you, why are you going to that church? Why are you connected to them? Why are you doing that? And he said, shut up, hold your peace. Oh, he said, hold your peace. <laughs> I know what I'm doing because he was after something. He wanted more than what he was experiencing, more than what he was seeing. And I don't know, God puts that hunger on the inside of us because he wants to give us so much more than we've ever experienced before. But he'll put that hunger on the inside. He'll drive us to want more from God. We get to that place. I don't know what's going on. Man. I'm so stagnant. I don't, nothing seems to be working. That's God wanting you to press in for more. 
So they go from Bethel to Jericho. Hold on, we got to talk about Bethel and this place of wrestling. So I'm just sitting here thinking, like, <laughs> just thinking about my own journey, right? And the places where I really felt like I've wrestled. Now, I've never, like, since I've been walking with the Lord, it's never been a question of whether I'm going to walk away from the Lord. I'm going to rock with the Lord no matter what, right? It has been a question of wrestling with the assignment. Oh, yeah. It's been, it, it, and, and I was like, you, you should put this in a book so people will know when they get to the wrestling stage. I mean, I, I literally feel like, um, I feel like I just grew up to the place where I stopped wrestling because to begin when I was saying to a group of women that I mentor that, you know, I would say yes, because I love the Lord, but it wasn't like a yes with a good attitude. It was more like a yes, because I need to wash the dishes and I don't want to get in trouble more. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I, it was, and, and I was thinking, I don't know what you think about this, but I feel like even in our relationship, but certainly my relationship with God, that it's like development of a child. Right. And I really feel like I went some through some teenage years with the Lord. Like, I want to do what you're <laughs> telling me to do. But first of all, I don't even know why your plan is your plan. Your plan doesn't make, you know, that place where you think you're smarter than. Right. Right. And, um, you know, and just even things that you prophesied over my life, it used to make me so mad when you would say, you're going to travel all over the world. And I said, I don't want to travel all over the world. I want to stay at home. And you'd be like, you're going to travel all over the world. Well, then I don't want to talk to you because you're going to tell me I'm going to travel all over the world. And I think it's really cool to hear you say that that's a stage of development. Oh, yeah. I think everybody chooses. What, yeah. but, but the point you make is that you get to choose whether you stay in Bethel wrestling, right? Or whether you move on to something else. So I just wanted to say that. I mean, that's important, but each stage of your life is, you, you know, you could adolescence to teenage years into adulthood, you know, each stage of life is almost like you can see Elijah growing with Elijah because really the period that they're together is 21 years. And so he's at this place that they go from Gilgal, who knows how long they stayed in Gilgal, but then they go to Bethel, who knows how long they stay in Bethel. And the wrestle could be, you know, do I continue to walk with him, stay here with, or listen to these other prophets that's telling me that I don't need to be following him. I, you know, I need to do my own thing. Wait, so, wait, wait, no, stop. No, 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 stop. All right, what's your cash out? Because somebody needs to sew into that because that's the word right there. You're trying to decide whether you're going to leave the place you know you've been assigned to because somebody else is saying something different. What's your cash out? Cynthia <laughs> Brazelton. Cynthia Brazelton. No, because I think one of the things you have to respond to a word, right? And mm -hmm. I think that that is so, like, okay, so don't tell too much of our business to these people because they don't really know us like that. But like, have you ever been able to tell that I was wrestling? Oh, of course. Of course. I felt like I hit it well. No, 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 no. But it's not, wrestling is not a bad thing because it, it shows you, you know, you don't even know what you're made of until you're in a trial. So your wrestling is not a bad thing. It just shows you what you're made of. And in the wrestle, you get to, your name goes from Jacob to Israel because you just had, you just prevail with God. So, you know, you don't stay the same. You went from being a deceiver now to a prince with God. So wrestling is not a bad thing. It's a good thing, you know, always when you, but you have to make up your mind. You know, I think God will bring us to that place where you have to have a made up mind. 
about what you're going to do. If you're going to do what God called you to do, or you're going to do what the, 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 the people are telling you to do, or the majority is telling you to do. But he was like, no, um, he's after something. As long as the Lord lives and as long as you live, you're not going to leave me here. But then he goes to Jericho. You just, ima just imagine I'm going from a place of wrestling and now I go from wrestling to I'm in a battle. Jericho, you know, Joshua, they all fought that, that tremendous battle in Jericho. And that's, a, and that's an indication of where they were going. I'm wrestling. I finally made up my mind. I'm, I'm not going to um, go with the, the majority. I'm not going to follow those other people. I'm going to go with where God told me, where the mantles on my life. And I get to that place and it's a fight. Oh, my God. You know, I wasn't looking for a fight. <laughs> but, you know, it happens. And so they're at Jericho. And they go from Jericho, they get to the river Jordan. And I love this because Elijah takes off his mantle and he hits the Jordan River and the, the water parts. And the both of them walk over on dry land. And you know, as they're walking, Elijah says, you know, what is it, what is it that you want? He said, I want a double portion of your spirit. He said, you ask a hard thing. And you can want what somebody else has in their life, but it's not as easy as you think it is. He said, you ask a hard thing. You know, everybody, you know, I always like using the example. Everybody, you know, when it comes to men, everybody want to be like Mike. Everybody want to play basketball like Mike. But not only do you want to play basketball like Mike, but you want Mike's money. So, but most people are not willing to do what Mike did to get where he is. You know, he played, you know, get up five o'clock in the morning and shoot a basketball all day long. We want to be like him, but we don't want to do what he did. And so he says, you ask the hard thing, but if you could see me when I'd be taken away, you can have it. And to see him, he wasn't just talking about just seeing in a natural position. Obviously, it, it meant he had to have perfect alignment. That means you have to see like I see, do like I do, walk like I walk, talk like I talk, act like I act, say what I say. And if you could do that, you can have it. If you could see it, you could have it. In other words, you know, Elijah did what God told him to do. And that's all his whole walk with God is. If you do what I do, you're going to do, you're going to get it. I'll walk with God. He declared it when he first comes on the scene in 1 Kings chapter 17. He goes to Ahab and he said, I am a man who stands in the presence of God. That's some powerful stuff. And he says, if you want what's on me, you got to stand in the presence of God. You got to stay in God's presence. And here's a sidebar, not preaching it tonight. Here's a sidebar. How do you know that you're in the presence of God? How do you know that you're standing in God's presence? There'll always be fruit from your life. And what is that fruit? Ooh. Love, joy, peace, long suffering, goodness, meekness, temperance, faith. Against such, there is no law. There's no limit to those things coming off of your life when you're in the presence of God. You know, most people think about being in the presence of God, you know, they think signs and wonders and miracles and, you know, and, and those things are great, but here's a real proof of the presence of God in your life. There's fruit of the spirit in your life. So that's sidebar. But anyway, here's Elijah, <laughs> you know, he's, they go from that place to Jordan River, you know, he sees the chariots, he sees the horses, he sees Elijah's taken up in a war when he says, you know, he, he sees it, he takes off his mantle rinse it in two, and then sees the mantle of Elijah falling from that chariot. He takes his own mantle, tears up. Why would you do that? Because in order for you to take on something that belongs to somebody else that's on their life, you got to get rid of what's on you. You can't think that you can just, 
you know, put something on top of something else. You got to get rid of something in order for you to take on. Just we had when we gave our life to Jesus, we had to give up our lives to take on the life of Christ. Is what I'm saying. Same scenario. So he takes off his mantle. Why his mantle? Because it represents your anointing. He tears it up because there's a greater that's coming to him. He sees Elijah's mantle, tears his up off, all his other one off, because something greater is going to happen to him. Think about that man that's sitting by the road of Damascus or the man that's sitting, the blind man that's sitting there and he hears Jesus is coming. And he said, what's all the commotion? They said, Jesus is coming. He said, he cries out, Jesus, Jesus, thy son of David, have mercy on me. And everybody, the crowd is telling him, shut up. And he's like, no, you're not blind. Jesus, Jesus, he's crying out loud and loud. Have mercy on me. And Jesus calls him. He gets up and the first thing he do is tears off his clothes. Why? Why does he tear off his clothes? Because I'm getting something greater. Those clothes represented I'm blind. I'm getting ready to see, so I don't need blind man's clothes. There's a double portion that's coming to my life, so I don't need what's on there right now. So he grabs a hold, again, going back to Elijah, he grabs a hold of Elijah's mantle. He puts it on himself, goes back to the same river Jordan that's now closed up. He goes to the river. He doesn't say, I'm the next prophet in town. I'm just anointed as Elijah. I am just as great. He goes, where is the God of Elijah? And the waters open up and say, here he is. And so, and when he goes over, those same people that mocked him and said, why are you following him? They look at him and say, oh my God, the spirit of Elijah is on you. I can see you. I can see, you know, people that are connected to you and your ministry. Then they leave that place of presence and being in the presence of God and the words that come out of your mouth. They go, oh my God, I know. I can tell you, you Pastor Sean's daughter. I can tell you go to that church because the spirit of that is on you. And you could tell people the spirit that is on certain people's lives, who they're connected to and who they, they have characteristics like that comes by the spirit of God. And so they saw that on him and he began, as we said already, do twice as many miracles that, you know, Elijah did. And they saw, he saw great things happen. But if you get into second Kings after that, the third chapter, when they was looking for a man of God to tell them a prophetic word that they needed to hear about whether they were going to survive in the wilderness or not. They said, there's a man of God, Elijah, who poured water over the hands of Elijah. He did twice as many miracles, but he was known for pouring water over the hand of Elijah. So you give a righteous man a drink of water, great is your reward in heaven. And so what we think is great, what we seem to think is great in our own natural ability, the kingdom of heaven thinks about greatness so differently than us. So if you aspire to be great, don't aspire to be great in just people's eyes, but being a servant of all and serving people in the kingdom. And that in the eyesight of God, that becomes great. And then you'll have and experience a double portion of God's anointing on your life. I feel like my whole spiritual life just kind of makes sense today after this right here. Listen, how long have we been going? I'm going to, we're being almost an hour. So I'm going to say this and then um, we'll see where it goes and then we'll give people a chance to ask questions. But this is what I was thinking. I mean, obviously you may not agree, but this is what I saw. 
So like when you start growing up, right? Like you go to Gilgag, this place of old corn, there's this corn there. Are you gonna settle for this old corn? Or are you gonna keep eating from manna, right? Then there's Bethel where this place that you wrestle, right? And then there's Jericho where this place that you battle, right? All of this is your growth and development. It's where you're growing up and growing and becoming, which is what you used to always say to me, which is what I now say, we're growing and becoming. But then in Jordan, it's not till Jordan that he asked him, what do you want? Because Jordan is a place of promise. It's a place of promise. And I was thinking, I've been saying this thing about how um, that one of the things I think is a misconception about faith is that faith starts where the will of God is known. So I actually have to know what God wants for me in a season, right? Obviously some things, health, food, those things, right? But like whether it's the right time to buy a house or whether it's the right time to move to another city or whatever, right? That that really has to do with the will of God for my life. And I can't exercise faith for something that God didn't say I should touch right now. Everybody who knows me knows that that's been a big thing about whether I could leave Arkansas or not, right? I don't care how much I confessed. I don't care how many seeds I sowed. Every time I asked God, could I leave Arkansas? He would always say, not yet, not yet, right? And so what I really see here is just like how God has grown me up over the last 18, 19 years, right? And I was saying, because recently in the last seven months, I just said, okay, God, I'll live here forever if you want me to. Well, before it used to just be, if I do this, will you set me free, <laughs> right? I will do anything you want me to do. Will you set me free, right? And then I feel like that when I finally got to that point that I was like, I'll do whatever you want me to do. You want me to be in Arkansas for the rest? Of I'll do whatever you want me to do. And I had this experience where the Lord said to me, um, everyone's laughing on the thing, right? But I had this experience where it was kind of like when Hannah's husband says to her, but haven't I been good to you? You don't have a son. You don't have this thing, but haven't I been good to you, right? And the Lord was like, where have you wanted to go that you haven't gone? And I sent you places that you didn't want to go. Like, why do we keep having this conversation? I really felt like it was an invitation to grow up. And I was saying that I think that one of the challenges that we have is that when we're not understanding that God does grow us up, that he does take us from faith to faith to level to level. So sometimes I'm looking at, you know, remember when I wanted to move to Maryland, the Lord wouldn't let me move to Maryland. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, because he has the plan and purpose for our life. So faith doesn't become this genie thing where we're bossing God around. Oh, faith absolutely. is where we tap into what he's desired to do. So, yeah, that's what I saw about my own life as I look at this. That's, that's very true. Faith is in response to what God's already done. It's not so much as me wanting something and then using faith to get God to do it for me. You know, God gives you the desires of your heart. He puts things on the inside of you to believe for. And, and the thing that he gives and puts on the inside of you, 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 you release faith. In reference to believe God is already done. It's already finished. You know, it's because of the finished work of Jesus that we receive anything. It's like we don't know what we have need of. We don't even know what we desire until we get into the word of God and God begins to illuminate us. When he reveals something, that's when God wants to manifest it in your life. So you don't, you know, there are people that don't believe in prosperity. They don't believe in speaking in tongues. They don't believe in healing. And then you're reading the word one day that God wants you healed or God wants you rich and God wants you blessed. He wants you to be happy and live a prosperous life is in that in that moment 
that you read and get grab a hold of it and then discover that's the will of God for my life. And I release faith for what God has already done. Because it was through the finished work of Jesus that I received healing, that I received prosperity, that I received my deliverance, and I received everything else that God has for me. And so we release faith, you know, in what God has already done. And it's because of the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. So seed is way more than money. It's the word. Oh, definitely. The sower sows the word. It's definitely the word of God. The seed, the, you, even when you're sowing financial seed, you should have some word that you're standing on or word that you are releasing with that natural seed in your hand so that there's a, be a, a, it's, a it's an act of my faith in releasing faith for what I believe God's already done. Say more so, about that. For the seed, you know, yeah, just, you know, like, just act like the people don't know anything about it. You know, the, again, the sower sows the word. We are all called to be sowers. We all call to speak the word, do the word, live the word, walk in the word. And so when we release word, the word of God out of our mouth, that is like sowing seed. And so the seed is the word of God. And, you know, Jesus in Mark chapter four, Luke chapter eight, Matthew 13, he talks about the parable of the sower who go out to sow the word. It's the parable of the kingdom. And so releasing our words or releasing faith now becomes the currency of the kingdom. So it's not about the monetary amount of money that you sow that becomes currency. It's your faith in the word that you're saying that becomes your currency for the kingdom of heaven. And so and when I believe what I say, I'm going to have whatsoever I say. And so God, uh, yes. No, go ahead. You know, and so what we say out of our mouth and, I, you know, is so important. And it's, you want great manifestations, say what God said. Because he said, so shall my word be. That <laughs> goes forth. It will not return to me void. It will accomplish it will do exactly where and wherever I send it, it will manifest. So just using the word of God as seed, you know, even as we sow our natural seed, you know, in, in Matthew chapter six, look, look at this story when he says, you know, don't store for yourselves treasures in this earthly realm or this natural realm where moth and rust is corrupt, the enemy can break through and steal, but store for yourselves treasures in heaven where the enemy can't come in and steal, the moth and rust cannot corrupt it, you know, because where your treasure is, where your heart be also. So he's talking about taking a natural seed, but sowing it into a heavenly reality and getting a heavenly return from it. So yeah, you can sow $5, you can sow $100, and all that is in obedience to whatever God tells you to sow. You know, that's between you and God, you know, what you would sow. But your seed is the word of God. It's your obedience to God's word that you are sowing into. If God tells me to sow $50, then my faith is in what God said to do. Not that $50. Not the $50. No, you can't buy anything from God. That's good. <laughs> you know, you can't, you can't buy that. But I can sow into what God is saying and see the harvest. What will be the harvest? The results of what he said. The act, you know, the, the, the rewards for my obedience to do what God has said. And, you know, some seed, you know, you see a harvest right away and then some seed, it takes a while for the harvest to come up. But I know that I have seed in the ground. You know, as long as the earth remains, there'll be seed time. 
and harvest. <laughs> and so sometimes, sometimes the seed take a while, but you know, I think the greater the seed, in the, the, the longer the seeds in the ground, the greater the harvest, I believe. Because some things take a while, you know, you take a bamboo plant, you plant a seed, a bamboo seed in the ground, it looks like for five years, ain't nothing happening. But in one year, that whole tree comes up. But if you thought year two, maybe the seed didn't germinate, maybe the seed is not gonna do anything, maybe the seed is not gonna happen, maybe it's not gonna, maybe it's not the will of God, maybe God don't want me to have a house, maybe it's not gonna be mine, maybe it's just not for me, maybe I wasn't supposed to have a job. If you do all of that, you're never gonna see the harvest. But if you keep watering that seed, and it's our thanksgiving and our praise unto God that waters the seed that we sow, then your harvest is gonna come up, and when it does, it's gonna be great. So, okay, so one of the things I was thinking, somebody said, you know, I say a lot, faith starts where the will of God is known, right? That's an important thing. I can believe for healing because the word says that healing is mine, right? I feel like one of the places where people get stuck is that, that people then try to decide how God is going to do the healing. Ooh. So, um, for example, um, there might be somebody that God actually says to them, have the surgery or somebody else. He says, do this. And I think that when we think that, I think there needs to be some type of correction in terms of us thinking, because I, it's like, oh, just because I saw it happen for you that way, doesn't mean God is going to do it for me in that way. Not that God won't do it, just that he's not obligated to do it exactly the same way. And so for me, I'm always looking at, well, what did God actually say to me, right? Yeah. Did God say, because the Bible says to everything, there is a season and a time. So it could be a season and a time for someone to buy a house and a season time for somebody else to sell their house. Yes. And, and that's important. You know, again, God has a trillion ways of healing or bringing about the manifestations of people's healing. And it may be, yeah, somebody lay hands on you, you were instantaneously healed, praise God. Then there's somebody who had the surgery and was healed. The end result is <laughs> healing and healing. And so it's not a lack of faith because you have surgery. Believe me, if you're gonna have surgery, I think it takes more faith <laughs> to have you the surgery. You better believe God. You better believe God. You have somebody cut on you, you better believe God. It's take probably more faith to have surgery than it is not to. You know, but it, it, it again is what God is saying to you. Because if you ask the question, you know, God should I have a surgery? Should I have surgery? God knows what's you, you know what your life is like and what's in store for you. And you know, there are a lot of times that the circumstances around certain things in your life is not always about you. You know, you could be like, why am I in this hospital? And the person next to you in another bed is dying to don't know the Lord. And God says, okay, you're in the hospital. Let me use you to minister life to that is next door to you. You know, you just never know what God is doing or what God would use in those circumstances of your life to cause the greater good to happen. For okay, all so I know, I know how we're gonna wrap up and we're gonna come back and do a part two in June, okay? But I know how <laughs> we're gonna wrap up. We're gonna talk about the thing that we have thought about because I was wrestling, even though you weren't, right? We were, you was, I was wrestling, you weren't, which is this, believe God. So Pastor Cynthia always says, believe God. And she used to get on my nerves because I would call and I would be telling her about my problem, how I sold my seed, how I confessed the word, how I did this, whatever. And she would just say, she's always so 
calm about it too. She's like, sweetie, just believe God. And that used to wear me out because I would be like, I'm trying to believe God. And you would say, we don't try to believe God. We just believe God. And then remember the day I called you and got it? Yes. Like I was like, the light bulb came on. I was like, yes, I believe God, right? And I think that sometimes I, I just feel like I just had to learn how to sit in the word and keep hearing God's voice. Until I realized I wasn't trying to believe God anymore. I just did believe God. So I want you to talk about this little thing you say all the time. Because you don't take God seriously. (laughs) And that that is so true. You know, the story comes out of uh, Mark chapter 9. Where, to make a long story short, you know, the father who has a son who has a lunatic spirit. Who wants his son delivered. Brings him to the disciple and nothing happens. And so that must be disheartening for him. And then Jesus comes along and now he questions whether or not his son could even be delivered because nothing happened when he was believing and nothing happened. So he asked Jesus, can you do anything about this? And if you can have compassion on us. And Jesus said to him, can you believe anything? And he said, Lord, I do believe, but help my unbelief. And I think, you know, that's that wrestling part. I believe what the word says because God said it, but help my unbelief or help me not to be moved by what I see. I know you said this, but why is this happening? I know you said that belongs to me, but why are they telling me no? I know you said I, you know, by your stripes I'm here, but why I still hurt? You know, why? I know you said it's going to be all right, but why is my husband still acting like this? I believe, but help my unbelief. And so, you know, Jesus, you know, all things are possible to him that can believe. And that's powerful. I mean, all things are possible to him that can believe. And so it's our belief system that will cause the reality of the possibility, all those impossibilities to become possibilities in our lives. So, you know, he cast the devil out the boy and everybody is amazed, especially his disciples, they are amazed. And they asked the question, Lord, how come we couldn't do that? Jesus said, because of your unbelief. Well, another translation, as you've already said, he said, because you don't take God serious. And that's so important. We go through the motions of saying we confess the word and we do all these things and we try to live good Christian life, but we're not taking God serious. Because it, it, when we do things and we trust God for things, we, we do everything we can to make it happen on our own. And he said, you're not taking me serious. And the disciples, they were, they give, God gave them a special anointing to cast out devil, to heal the sick, to raise the dead. They saw those things happen. And then they just took it for granted what God, the anointing that God placed in their lives. And they started among, arguing among themselves, if you read before that, who would be the greatest among them? And Jesus said they got their eyes off of God on their natural abilities. And now God says, you're not taking me serious. You know, you went through the motions of casting the devil out. The devil will pay no attention to you because you weren't serious. That, and what is God saying? You got to mean what you say and say what you mean. You got to take God serious. And so, you know, as a result of that, you know, obviously their lives were changed as a result of that. And, you know, we, when we believe God, it's just taking God at his word. It's just trusting God. You know, as we said, it's not having faith in your faith, but having faith in God. And so, you know, in faith in what God said and the ability that he's given us, the anointing of God on our lives, our belief system is so important. The enemy will always come along and try to distort what you believe. 
He said, he comes to steal the word that's been sown in your heart so that you don't believe. And so like, you got to continue to believe in spite of the circumstances, you know, and trust God that he will cause what you believe to be a reality. But it's, again, it's tapping into the heart of God to even know, like, God, what is your plan for this circumstance of my life? Mm. Your, what is your desired will for my life? I tell people all the time when they, especially when people have problems, and you probably heard me say this, that when you're going through something, my question to you is, where is God in it? If you can locate God in it, then you'll find the answer to your circumstances. Because he's never putting you in a situation where you can't handle it because he's there. But you got to find out where he is. And he's not always where you are because you're not serious about God. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> you got to find out where he is you know and then walk with him because he'll walk you through every storm you face in life every fire every circumstance and then his grace is so sufficient for us you know and in those things where it doesn't we may not have the desired turnout but the grace of god that comes on your life you know you can't explain that paul said i would rather glory in my infirmities if i can feel what i'm feeling right now God's grace is power on me. Shoot, this ain't nothing. <laughs> Pull on me, Jesus. <laughs> and so it's how you see things and how you see God in your circumstances. And that's really your faith in God, you know, not in things or getting things, accumulating things. God wants you to have stuff. You know, your, your things that you have in life is no indication how great your faith is because there are people that don't know Jesus got greater stuff than most people, but they don't know God. So that has no indication that you got great faith. Your faith is in who God is. Your faith is in God, not in your faith or your ability or your whatever. It's in God. He is who he says he is. That's real faith. Oh my God. You know, I just love to hear you preach. I'm just like, even the stuff that I've heard you preach so many times, it's always so much life to on it like it's like everybody knows that you mean this to to the core of who you are and it literally has changed my life like it's just it's changed my life and I'm so thankful for your ministry I'm thankful you know I'm thankful that you let me ask you all of those questions and you know and you just walk me through it so many times I have a bible where one time I'm in this in this bible right here I was asking you about believing God. You was talking to me about the word and I still have every scripture. You said, read every one of these scriptures and then call me back. And truth is, when I called you back, I still couldn't see nothing. So then you just told me like what it is I couldn't see. You know what I'm saying? You know, you know, Sharetta is watching. She said, yeah, when she opens her mouth, I have ears to hear. Listen, you have just, let, let's share some testimonies. I just, you know, um, because we want to explain um, extend somebody's faith. So I'm going to tell a testimony about Vegas. And then you're going to tell a testimony because this is the way our relationship goes. <laughs> I call you and I'm like, super excited. I'm like, so, I, you know, people who watch me, they know this testimony that I went to Vegas for this conference, this 10X conference. And the Lord kept dealing with me about buying a yellow purse. I don't know if you know that part, but it was like, you. it was one of these places you can only be in a really, you can only take a really small bag in. When I went to look to buy the bag, the Lord just kept saying yellow purse, yellow purse. I was like, I don't even want a yellow purse, right? That's that whole <laughs> wrestling, right? 
<laughs> and so I end up getting the yellow purse. And um, the first day I, I wear the yellow purse and I wear these leopard print earrings that Elwin got me for um, Christmas the year before. They're not really expensive, but I love them because he bought them, right? I get back to my room and the earring is gone. <laughs> and I take the other earring out and I say, God, I know, I know it's 11,000 people in that stadium, I said, <laughs> but I want my earring back. Yes. Now, why did I even have faith to do this? Because of all the times you had told me about <laughs> losing something and asking God for it back, right? And so I, anyway, long story short, the next morning I get up, I touch my earring and I just say, thank you. I believe I receive. I say, you can put it back in my dresser at home. I don't care. I just want my earring back, right? <laughs> And I go through the whole day. And as I'm walking out, this lady goes, hey, I don't know her. Hey, come here. And I turn around and she holds up the earring and she says, is this yours? And it's like, it's 11,000 people in here, right? Yeah. And what she said to me was, I noticed your purse. The purse was why she noticed the earrings. So she said, when she saw the earring on the seat, she knew who it belonged to. So then I call you and I'm so excited. I was like, mom, tell me about my, let me tell you about my earring. And you say, tell me your story. <laughs> which I don't know which one I told you then. <laughs> um, the earring in the snow. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, you know, it, that was very significant for me at that time in a, in a, in a great way, because at that years and years and years ago, before we were even pastoring, I went to a church an apostolic church that I was going to and they didn't believe in women wearing earrings. And so I thought it was kind of foolish that they would preach or spend even a breath spending any time saying you shouldn't wear earrings. It just didn't make sense to me. And so, but, and they preached it a lot, but they didn't like walk up to you and say, take your earrings out of your ear or anything like that. So I had all earrings, I wore earrings. <laughs> So, but you hear it week after week after week. And I, I like jewelry. I love jewelry. I like real jewelry, you know. I don't like fake jewelry. I like real jewelry. And so I remember getting a job and buying my first pair of gold earrings. And I was so excited and so happy about it. And then I remember I lost one of them. And I was like, oh, God, my earrings. And the first thought the enemy came to me, and I knew it was the enemy. See, you're not supposed to wear earrings. <laughs> And so, but I knew it was the enemy. And so I cried out to God and said, God, I know you want this. I know you gave, I know you allowed me to buy those earrings. I know you gave this to me. Help me to find this earring. So that night it snowed. I mean, we had a blizzard here in Maryland. I mean, a blizzard snowed and I'm no exaggeration was up to our door. We had two steps. We had to come up to get to my front door. And so snow was up to my door. So that means the steps were covered. You couldn't see the steps. And so I wake up the next morning and I go outside and when I open the door, there's the snow is like, uh, like where the door was, snow just everywhere. And I look out and right on top of all of that snow is my earring just laying there. <laughs> I was like, I knew it was you, Jesus. I knew, I knew and, and I wish I could run upstairs and get them. I have those same earrings to this day, I still wear. <laughs> But, you know, God is faithful. But, you know, in that instance, you know, God putting those, that earring there, giving that lady, putting your earring there. But then sometimes it looks like it's it, what you believe for. It takes a while. I remember my, my wedding ring. Past, I had, had get it fixed or I don't remember, cleaned or size or something. He brought it home and he misplaced it. He lost it. And so we looked we tore the whole entire house up. I mean, I was like broken. You, My wedding ring, I can't find it. 
And so I refused to release it. I refused to let it go. He didn't know when he dropped it coming in the house, but he dropped it from the, the jewelry store back to the house. He didn't know. It was just gone. So I said, God, I'm not going to release my earring. I mean, my ring. I'm not going to let it go. I believe God. I'm going to find that earring. I don't care how long it takes. I'm going to find that ring. And so literally five years later, we're moving um, from that, from the time I lost the earring, five years later, we're moving out of that place, moving things around. And we're at, we had moved out. We had gone back to, it was at his mother's house where he lost it. We'd gone back to his mother's house for occasion. His brother comes downstairs with a ring in his hand. He said, did somebody drop this ring? And I look and I'm like, no, shut up. Where'd you find my ring? He said, it's just laying here on the floor. Five years later. God just put that ring because I refused to let it go. I said, God, I'm going to find that. You're going to give me my ring back. And I have that ring today. <laughs> I just think one of the greatest things you taught me, in addition to loving the word, is that the supernatural ought to be natural, though. That, yeah. So those the supernatural ought to be natural for a believer. So this idea that something seems lost in the natural, that it seems like there's not enough money, it seems like there's not a body part. You just was like, I, you'd be like, just look up to heaven and get it. You know, it's like, and I, I, I've tried, we, we've seen a lot of creative miracles as a result of that. I'm just like, listen, they got body parts in heaven. Let's get a body part, right? Yeah, you got a lot of, you know, these, uh, people need to hear that, that God has that for them and they can receive, you know, even tonight people can receive healing and whatever it is they need from God. Maybe they lost something, you know, God still has it for them. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I feel that. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray for things restored. Amen. And we're going to pray for healing because, you know, praying for healing is like my favorite thing to do, right? And so I, I like to pray. I, you know, I'm like, listen, I love the same blood that saves heals, right? So let's do, let's do this. Um, oh, it's so cool because I kind of get to boss you around for like a second. Yeah. Right? <laughs> So like, is there something, any, you know, word of knowledge, anything that you have, something that God wants to heal people for? So for those of you who've never done this with me before live, what we do is this, is that, you know, we may say there's a word about your elbow, your shoulder, your kidneys, whatever, right? And then um, what we ask you to do is just to touch that place on your body and believe for the life of God to flow into that. And the other thing that I teach that's very important is that I don't care, like if you're in some kind of pain and that pain is at a 10 when we pray and it goes to an eight, you got to claim it. You have to acknowledge that something happened, right? Because like Pastor Cynthia said, that sometimes it's instantaneous, but we have a testimony from Chandra who I prayed, we prayed for healing in people's back and knees and she had two torn meniscus and it didn't look like anything happened that night. And she got up the next morning and both of her knees were healed. Yes. And go. so we're just going to go after some stuff. Yes, yes. You know, I when I said that, I really believe that there are people that are looking for restoration. And they may not have lost things naturally, but even just talking about faith, they feel like they lost their faith. You know, they mm -hmm. just, they lost their, their zeal and their hunger for God. But I think it's just a matter of saying, God, you know, I'm, I want it back. And then for God, we'll bring that restoration and they'll, they'll discover that they'll wake up with a hunger for God. They'll wake up with the zeal for God and the things of God. So I believe there's restoration for the things of God that's coming back to people right now. 
in the name of Jesus. Those that have lost things from a spiritual perspective, that God is restoring that thing back to you right now, that love, that zeal, that hunger, the faith of God, that God is birthed on the inside of you now is coming back to you. Don't allow disappointment to define who you are. The word of God defines you and you will see that your disappointments will be dissipated and those, your expectation will not be denied. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. There are a couple of people who said, one girl actually said she lost her wedding ring and you just inspired her. She was like, she hadn't let her wedding ring go and she's believing God for the restoration of her I ring. I believe but, as well. <laughs> I believe that. Um, anything else? Go what? When the young lady that lost her wedding ring, um, my mom, um, my stepdad passed away and it's been now about nine or 10 years now. But when he passed away, I, I asked my mom to come live with me and she said, yes. So when she came to live with me, um, she moved out of the house that she was in into my house. And when she got there, she noticed that um, she left her wedding ring at where she lived. And where she lived was a house that, you know, I had owned that I had given her. But when she moved out, I went into that house and just like redid everything, put new windows in, new, new everything. I said, well, where did you leave it? And she said, on the windowsill. I was like, mom, we remodeled that whole bathroom. It's not, I don't, I have no idea. We never saw a ring or anything. Nobody ever said anything to me. And she says, that's all she really had from him. And she really wanted her ring back. And so she asked the Lord for her ring back. So it wasn't the next, I think it might've been the next day she comes upstairs in my room and she's so excited. I'm like, what, what happened? She said, I asked the Lord to give me my ring back. She says, I was laying in the bed. Jesus walks in my room, walks over to my dresser, put his hands on my dresser, turns around and walks out of the room and I go over to the dresser and my wedding ring is sitting there. <laughs> I was like, go Jesus. <laughs> So you can see, you know, the roots of faith in my life. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that, you know, I remember every time I've been with your mom, I see your strong foundation, right? Um, but I also love, you know, I love about your mom and you that you are unwilling to allow how people have boxed God in to box in how you see God, right? So even as people are going, oh, there's no way. It was always in the dresser. You're like, nope, it wasn't there. And Jesus no. brought it, that's it, right? And I, I love that you teach us that, like, that it, like, not to belittle God and make God like us, but to see that we are like him. You know, the children of Israel couldn't go into the promised land because they looked at God like themselves and not for who he was. Yeah. <laughs> so Pastor Sean, give us the word of the Lord. <laughs> um, so I want to pray for physical healing, particularly something in the area of stomach. Somebody has some stomach issues, um, some issues with their intestine. And so I see a healing coming from that. I, I actually see it connected in a way that I don't always see it that as you released something regarding restoration, that it's releasing healing in your body, that those things are connected and that your um, stomach is going to operate the way that God created it to operate. And there, some, somebody has some blockages, those blockages are going to be um, moved and it's going to flow freely in Jesus name. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if you get a testimony about that, um, send us a message. We'll share the testimonies. And so um, if you have anything else, we'll go another round. If not, then they can come back and see us in June. But listen, I listen, my prayer team was like, you know, we'll talk to, we'll listen to her all night, right? Like when you came to our church and nobody would go home. <laughs> We're like, uh, let's go. It's always a pleasure to share the word of God, especially with people that want to hear, you know, to hear what God has to say. I know, you know, I desire to hear what God has to say. So I'm looking to hear from him through the word of God and being spending time in his presence all the time. So I invite people to do the same. <laughs> I invite you to people to love the word. Like my goal is to be able to preach the whole Bible like you did. Cause I don't know if y'all noticed, but she didn't actually look at her word a lot. Like she, like I'm looking to read. She's like, oh, and it says this and this. And I just, I, I love how you, you just inspire me to keep being hungry for God. You know, years ago in, in, in my life, listening, you know, there's not a whole uh, lot of people that I listen to, but there's a whole lot of people that I do hear, you know, but one of the people that really inspired me in reading and knowing in the word was Marilyn Hickey. You know, I just, her memorization of the word was like, un, like what? And so I endeavored to do the same, just you know, reading the word of God and just, you know, if you watch a good movie, I always tell people like this, you, you, you see a good movie that you really like, it's like, oh my God, that movie was so good. Did you see that? And then you're telling somebody about the whole entire movie and you only saw it one time. Well, that's how it is when I read the word. It was so good that I only read it one time, but I know exactly everything that happened. Did you see that? Of course you can go back and read it again because you really liked it. Or you go back and see that movie again because you really liked it. And you see something different every time you see it or every time you read it because it was good. And then it wasn't a question of just trying to memorize the word. You read it so much that it's, it's, it's embedded on the inside of you to memory. And so it just, you know, when I would listen to her just reading scriptures and knowing the word and how she took the time to memorize the Bible, I'm like, who could do that? <laughs> and so I just made it a point to, you know, read the Bible two and three times a year to, to put it on the inside of me. And so whenever I need that word, it came from the inside out. Well, because the Bible says my, the word, thy word have I hid in my heart, in my heart that I might not sin against you. Oh, it tells yeah. us that the word is life, right? Yes. Those who find it, it's health. And even for some people who are struggling in their body right now, the word is life. Take the word like medicine. It will produce healing. It will produce what you need. Amen. So we got this, our last story, guys, and we wrapping up. Listen, the people want something from you. They want the God of the toilet paper. <laughs> They're like, please tell about the God of the toilet paper. I didn't say that. <laughs> no, real talk. Edwin came in here and said, the people said, tell about the God of the toilet paper. It, it, look, that's a noun word for now. It is a noun word. You know, that's something, again, that happened in our lives listen, 35 years ago, but it wasn't until a couple of years ago, not even a year ago, that it, it came back to my remembrance. Who knew? But God knew why I would share that testimony now because of what's happening now when people can't find toilet paper and, you know, people looking for toilet paper, asking other people for toilet paper. And now, 
now people hearing the testimony and having trust God for toilet paper. And I can't even begin to tell you how many testimonies I've heard about people saying they didn't have any toilet paper and how God supernaturally supplied toilet paper. But, you know, that testimony came from a time in our lives when Pastor Tony and I, you know, where we were, we had just moved into our new home and um, we had very little find money financially. We had a lot, but financially we had very little and we ran out of toilet paper. And I was like, oh, but hey, we don't have any money to even buy any. Can you imagine? We didn't have money to buy toilet paper. All we had was $5 in our bank. And I said, if we take that out, it'll close the account. And we don't want to do that. So we just like, we got to trust God to give us some toilet paper. And it's not like it was something you, we can wait days and weeks, <laughs> even hours for. We need it now. And so really we did like we did everything we believed for. We got together and we just said, God, we thank you that you supply every need. There's a supply for every need in every of our lives. And we just trust you that you would supply us with toilet paper. And so we did and we prayed and, you know, somebody knocked on our door within the hour. And there's a friend of ours that worked, got a job in Procter & Gamble. She's like, hey, I just got all these product samples. And, and she knocks on the door and behind her on the ground, she has, can y'all use a case of toilet paper? And I'm telling you that from that day, it did something supernatural on the inside of me. I mean, I knew that God supplied needs because there's so many needs in my life that I've seen him perform and do for me. But that, I can't even tell you how it mocked my life for to believe God, you know, for everything in my life, no matter how small or how great it is, I know that God hears me when I pray and that God answers prayer and he's concerned about everything we're concerned about. Not just give me a roll of toilet paper, but a case of toilet paper because <laughs> we believed him for it. And so I share that testimony and say, he is the God of the toilet paper. He's the God of whatever you need, no matter how small or how great it is. And that's the same faith that I use for the toilet paper is the same faith, fast forward, years later that I believe God for the jet we fly in and to supply out every need. I said, God, we need a jet. And so we just trust and believe you for the jet and for somebody to literally knock on our door and say, God told me to give you a jet was the same way that God said, somebody knocked on my door and said, God told me to give you some toilet paper. It was the same faith. I said the same words and I had the same praise for the toilet paper I did for the jet because he's the God of the toilet paper and he's the God of the jet. He's the God of the toothpaste, toothbrush and whatever else you need in life. He is. And he will give you exactly what you believe God for because he's just that good. He's a good God. God, I love your testimonies. They're so good. And I think you're right. Like for me, that earring, that earring being replaced, it was like, God is so mindful. Yeah. Gives me back an earring, not because it cost a lot of money, but because it means something to me. Because it was yours. <laughs> because it was mine, right? And it's just that if, if we could ever just see how mindful he is of us. So people from FOC want you to know this. They want you to know a couple of things. They used your testimony. That's why they didn't run out of toilet paper when the toilet paper was sold out. Amen. That the Holy Spirit legit literally told them where to go find toilet paper. Amen. And they want you to know that. And then this lady at our church, Katrina, wants you to know that he's the God of the hubcap. And that's the story <laughs> I sent you about the girl who got the car, yeah. whose hubcap rolled down the street. And the next day, someone gives her a car, brand new paid for, 
and they give her the money to pay for the tax. <laughs> and, and it all started because you came and taught us and you taught, you just taught me over the years that it's the same thing, that, that I'm the one that decides the difference between a hundred dollars and a hundred thousand dollars, that yes. God doesn't put that limitation. It's me in my thinking. So he I have a fig tree or a mountain. It's the same thing. He said, you can speak to a mountain just like you can speak to a fig tree. It doesn't matter how small it is or how big it is. It's the same thing. What is that? If you believe what you say come to pass, you don't have whatsoever you say. So it doesn't matter, you know, whether it's toilet paper or it's a jet. Do you believe? Yeah. Don't you think so many people miss out, though, because they're so busy trying to have this thing called common sense, though? Sense is not common, for one thing. <laughs> not everybody has it. <laughs> so, <Facts. laughs> so if you're trying to get common sense, where is that coming from? Because <laughs> it's not common. Um, so, you know, our senses have to go beyond the five physical senses. It has to be, we have to live from a supernatural point of view, from heaven's realities, you know. Heaven's reality has to be more real to you than this earthly one. Well, I love you. I want to encourage you guys to sew into mom. Her cash app is hash is money symbol Cynthia Brazelton. Um, thank you for being on here for taking your time. Thank you. Listen, she got so hype about the word last night when we were walking through it. She said, Well, we don't have to give them everything at one time. I'll come back again. I was like, Yes, come we back didn't talk again. about all this stuff we talked about yesterday. We didn't, but so we'll come back and do the power of one with a seed part two, and maybe we'll actually get through all of that, right? Um, but yeah, I, one with a seed. <laughs> well, one with a seed. We'll come back and do it again. So I want to just encourage you to um, to sow. Um, I believe something supernatural happens when we sow. I believe that we same grace, the same grace that's on her life, if you have access to. And I do believe that that's a spiritual principle. I know the Bible says it, and it works. And Amen. so... Um, and, I, and the, the Bible also tells us to be a blessing to those who communicate the word, who communicate the word to us. And so it's a Friday night and you got the word communicated to you. And honestly, for many of us, we needed that reset. There's so much going on in the country right now. And we needed to get back to this place of just being refreshed in the word. So I just want to encourage you to sow, to love the word and um, to get her book. What's your book called? The Voice of Faith. The Voice of Faith, where yes. can they get it? VCMI.org or Amazon. Amazon or VCMI.org. Um, and you all your, a lot of your spiritual kids are on here, like from Victory and, um, you know, from Tony and Cynthia Brace to Ministries, they're all here. Listen, y'all, I shared my mama with y'all tonight, and I'm just going to tell you this now. <laughs> she, she, I'm listen. You know I'm gonna say this because she not all y'all mama. Don't start bothering my mama a lot. You listen to this message, mama. Okay, that's why you always say I'm spoiled. No, no, for real. I want you guys to take this word and put it in your heart and listen to it over and over and over again. I literally have listened to some of your teachings until I don't remember that you taught it. I've literally listened to it so much. I hear you saying, I go, I said that. Oh, but you said it first, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh so much better <laughs> people say they you know people just say they love you they said thank you for doing this tonight um mary um e carrie mary scott she's on here 
people just, they're, they're sitting there ordering the book. We just appreciate you. I'm glad you're going to come back. And you really are the best. And, you know, thanks for pouring into me. You know, thanks for allowing us to come together to do this. I really appreciate it. I know we talked about it for a very long time. I'm glad it's happening now. And I look forward to always ministering and preaching with you. You're awesome. You're so sweet. And I'm going to bring you live when we can finally move around the country. <laughs> All right. Well, let me pray. And then we'll wrap. When, when I get off, mom, don't hang up. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, most gracious heavenly father, Lord, we thank you for every person who heard this and will hear this. We thank you that you said anytime we can see here and understand that we would be converted and we would be healed. So I thank you for the conversion and the healing that comes, even as people go back and listen to this, even years from now on social media. I thank you for restoration as mom declared in Jesus name that whatever is broken and lost will be returned and restored 100 fold. Mm -hmm. I thank you for physical healing. I thank you for emotional healing. I thank you for new passion for God. And I thank you, God, that you want to do in Ephesians 3.20 in our life and exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Now, Father, I specifically pray for a passion for the word, a passion for the things of God so that we can grow up and become all you called us to be. And we believe that we receive it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. All right. Bye, y'all. Thank you so much. Amen. God bless.